If you turn with me to your readings, uh, the scripture readings, there are two, uh, one from the Psalms, or both from the Psalms, one from Psalm 50 and one from Psalm 121. This is on page five of your bulletin. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offering, which are even be- are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your uh, from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was, alt- I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke and accuse you to your face. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will t- tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank, off- thank offerings honors me. And he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. In Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm, and he will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Morning, I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. We're going to continue in our giving series uh, this week. And um, I uh, had an opportunity this week to spend some time out in Arizona at a uh, pastor's kind of training deal, you know, they get people up with successful churches to talk about how they did it and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but it was my conversation with people who weren't at that conference, the guy driving the bus, a friend of mine that lives there in Arizona, um, that just, uh, it sobered me a bit. It made me uh, glad to come into the house of the Lord. Um, it made me glad that there was a God who spoke to us. Um, and not only speaks to us, but I was just renewed in my joy um, of the, you know, joy with the fact that not only is there a God that speaks to us, there is a God that calls us and heals us and knows us and loves us very well. Um, I know that sounds very simple, but it was uh, profound as I thought about those who don't know the joy of being in the house of the Lord. Don't know the joy, uh, whether you know you're experiencing it or not, of hearing the word of God and hearing and knowing that God speaks to us, um, that there is hope for our fallen um, world um, today. Um, I want to start this sermon series with uh, somewhat of an apology um, this morning. After church, um, someone stopped me and said, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, you find value in your husband's paycheck or that you um, 
you know, your husband's going to outlive you. I mean, you're going to outlive your husband and whatever, whatever. And I realized that we have different kind of families. Um, there are those who the breadwinner is not a man. And there are those of us who don't live in homes with a man and a woman together. And there are singles and there are people who work together. And it was not my intention to be um, at all uh, socially insensitive. Let's turn our hearts to the Word of God uh, this week. Last week, the first part of this giving series, uh, we looked at the way money and its handling create great burden in our lives. And how we can only be freed from that burden as we look um, to the God of the Bible and, and the Savior God, Jesus Christ, for rest and relief. I urge you to go back and, and listen um, to that sermon if, if you hadn't heard it uh, before putting together this series in your in your thoughts and hearts and into action. Um, this week, we will take a small kind of first step towards that rest and that relief. A step that will put our money and our resources and stuff, I believe, in in right perspective before before God and and in our giving, put the asking and giving of God in right Perspective. Now, like last week's sermon um, in, in giving, this is not about how much to give or when you should give or even about how to get out of debt or manage your money. It's about a God desired. Thank you. Help me. Motivation in our having and our giving. Now, one of the shows that um, that played my house growing up. Of course, thanks to the syndicated bounty of Turner Broadcasting, um, one of the shows I really liked was the Beverly Hillbillies. Now, I'm 30, I'll be 35 this month, and so some of you are, you know, 15, 16, 17 years younger than I am, and you, you don't know who the Beverly Hillbillies are. Um, but uh, many of you remember watching the show, and the story of this sitcom, it was in black and white. It's told by the theme song, and it went like this. I know y'all know this song. Almost tempted to sing it, but trust me, y'all don't want me singing. Terrence got all that for mama and daddy. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food, and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. See, I'm doing my voice the way the guy did. Black gold Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Jed, move away from there. Said California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly. Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools movie stars. <laughs> As you can guess, these, what I will describe for you uh, millennial thinkers, these rural ghetto fabulites get rich and they move to Beverly Hills. But the bank account does not change the expression of their mountain insulated ignorance about life in Beverly Hills. You know, they come with their fiddle playing, shotgun, justice, pig feet, eating ways, and continue to live life with a 
hillbilly economic. And it kind of echoes back to this adage, you can take the ethno or social defined environment, uh, social defining term out of the defined environment, but you can't take the ethnic environment out the ethnic term. Okay. See, I tried to make it nice, you know. So because anytime you lose that, you have to say something kind of offensive. So I'll just put it this way because I'm confused too. You can take the brother out the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out the brother. Okay. You and I have a problem in our use of money. Our spending, and more pointedly from this psalm, in our giving before the God of heaven. Whether you're poor or whether you're rich, have or have nots, looking to hit it, oil rich, or maybe you're already on the road to Beverly Hills, we all fight with the sinful tendencies that we carry with us in our giving decisions, in our money decisions. Some struggle with the poverty. Some struggle with having too much. You see, without God informing our hearts, whether we're bankers or artists, uh, we are proverbial hillbillies of God's grace in money and giving. And the psalm in its aim assumes that that we are needy, that somehow we're lacking something. Either we lack resources or or that we just don't know, we we haven't heard, we we haven't read, we we haven't been socialized, we hadn't been taught right about right money etiquette. How to use what we have in God's social context, how to use it as we give it in this world. Verse 17 in Psalm 50 teaches this. That those who don't handle their money well suffer from maybe simply not hearing or refusing to believe God is t- talking to them about their money. Or they don't make time to hear what God has said. They're, they're too busy doing their own thing, living in their good old hillbilly or ghetto common sense ways. And don't be fooled, church people. You believers, you know, we just the Jethro and Uncle Jed and Granny in some new community called the church. Some We got some money. We have a, a new idea of church and stuff, but we don't know what we are doing, many of us. We, we join the church. We're all up in here and it feels good. And we got all this bounty of friendships and we're hearing the word of God and we like the good music and all these things. But when it comes to our money, we... We're Beverly Hills, cosmo-spiritually speaking, and you and I have a ghetto, a country mentality. More than that, we have a Huckleberry Hard and a Wall Street morality. We need help. You and I metaphorically want, want rims on the Chevette. When I hear and I think about the way my money sometimes is in the church and giving, I want a 43-inch flat screen TV and a 43-square-foot rented flat. We want to put $200 worth of good Asian born and bread weave on a pile of nickel naps. You and I, poor or wealthy, white or black, Asian, Mayan, Latino or Hispanic, you know, we kind of, I'm just going through the whole deal. We want platinum fronts. And our handling of money just to bling bling on a 25 cent ride home on the bus. We still bring in green bean and chicken casserole with the saltine crackers crumbling on top to the tea party in South End. 
We need help. Because we're ignorant. We're misinformed. We're misguided. We're lost. We're injured. We're hurt. Let me read this poem, this part of Psalm 50 about the wicked here. Beginning at verse um, 16. And God outlines about bringing the sacrifices to him and giving and he'll and look to him and he'll call you. And he says this, but to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my laws or take your covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and you cast my words behind you. When, when you see a thief, you join with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You speak continually against your brother and slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and have kept silent, though kept silent. You thought it was altogether like you, but I rebuke you. And accuse you to your face. You know what we do with our money? It's like the whole home remedies thing, right? Remember this comedian saying, you know, you, you, you guys' issues, the reason y'all limping around or got problems with your head or your teeth or your arm, it ain't because something happened before. It's because you don't have any insurance and you decide in your own ghetto hillbilly ways, we'll come up with our own home remedies. He said it's funny when he was growing up, he his grandma was so in the home remedies to be, Grandma, I got hit by a car. Oh boy, all you got to do is lay down and you'll be all right. We don't need to go to the hospital. Let me just mix this thing up in a jar. Put a little bit of mayonnaise in there. Put a little bit of this. Just drink this and you'll be okay. And folk get messed up. That's what we do with our money. We live in community and it's deformed us and scared us. And some of us, we're scarred for life because we move about and spend and give with no thought to the word of God. You know, payday is dangerous for me as for some of you. Because when I get paid, the hillbilly ghetto comes out in me. I'm like, man, I got a little money in the bank. I do some stupid things with my money. First thing I do is I go look for something to eat. (laughs) There's food in the fridge. But I want to go out. Why? Because something's wrong in here. I mean, I, I could eat something else, but I want to I want to sit in the restaurant poor and hard in a, in a bad way, not the Beatitudes way. I am driven by the feeling that while I have the money, if I don't get it now and get it big, even if it won't last or even if it gives me high blood pressure or give me a high interest rate, I want it now. The psalm says it this way, take what God has given, has lent me, has given me the ability to earn. And I cast lots with adulterers, with what lies to me, the psalmist is saying, and makes me feel like I can be better with it now. That speaks to my loneliness and poverty better or other than God. I don't know how to act or I won't act rightly. 
Whether we have money or don't have any, we all suffer from the hurt, a, a, a poverty of, of unbelief, a, a, a feeling like we have to look out for ourselves, that, that we have no hope uh, tomorrow, that we have no God who cares for us, or we do have a God, but, but one who will make promises and, and will lie and leave us in the morning or, or leave us with too much uh, heavenly government paperwork to get the care he promises. So what do we do? We go and we spend furiously and we spend furiously our, our whole world becomes about what we don't have and, and how to get it and, and how to secure it and we will cast lots and lie and ignore warnings from God and our friends about overworking and, and neglecting our family we get involved in and get rich schemes or we will guard our money and our time from God and the church and the poor or we will hate the rich or despise the fool poor. And for some of us, we actually save up money like canned goods that will save us when God decides to leave us. So let's get tired of waiting. Because when we look at our accounts, we obviously have a pretty tired God. So what do we do? Just like the wicked, we gamble. You know, who's attracted to the pyramid schemes? The folk who ain't got nothing but want something now. You know, I've been to bingo. Not too many nice cars out in the parking lot at bingo. Folk want to hit it big. Middle class folk in debt. That's who plays the lotto. But I went to the gambling boats in St. Louis when I was in seminary. I wasn't gambling, y'all. But, you know, from Charleston, I never see you gambling. So I thought, go to the gambling booth. Might be some singing, maybe, you know, be some some kind of, you know, Las Vegas entertainment. But it was just wall-to-wall gambling. I mean, just slot machines and ATM machines. And then when we were leaving, I just paid close attention to the parking lot. The most broke-down hoopties you ever seen in your life. And these folk are just do do boom, just hoping to hit it big. And they, they've got a place you can cash your check or you can put your ATM card or you can use your credit card. And folk are going folk without money because their God has forgotten them and they have a new God in the slot machine. And here's the problem. When you hit it big, you'll be poor again. You'll do something crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give back and I'm a tithe and I'm going to fulfill my vow before the Lord to help the poor or give to the why. Because because you'll be poor again because you messed up here. You a hillbilly here. Something is wrong with you. It ain't your money. I remember somebody saying, man, it should be nice if we we folk get them reparation checks. We've been slaves all those years. We didn't get a fair wage. All our ancestors, you know, brought over and changed and all that stuff and insurance policies and universities growing off those endowments of transporting slaves and all that kind of stuff that have started up now. Ivy League universities, um, we're, we're definitely a minority. I mean, it's just one of those like, give me my reparation check. And my friend Lance and Philly, a pastor up there said, you know what? That's exactly what the system wants. Give y'all the reparation checks. So they can get it back. Because you know what happened. The government can send out all these reparation checks to all these folk with nothing. And the guy down the dealership going to do what? 
You can get your Cadillac Escalade. Just bring your reparation check in today. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do it. And we'll be poor again. You know, it, it, it really, it's, it's the, and I think about the prosperity churches. Man, when things get thin, it gets easy to find a different version of God. You know what version of God I'm talking about. The one who pays. And thus the adulterer's line here in the psalm. We go to churches that worship a different God of the Bible. One that pays according to our ability to throw the right combination of spiritual dice. You know, enough prayers on one side, some name it and claim it on this side, some bless me please money to the church on this side, and some, but you got to have faith on the other side. If you just roll the right dice, God's got to pay. With that kind of stuff, the church has become just another gambling site. A place if you play the right hand, God the dealer has to pay you. God is saying in the psalm at the end here, I don't think like you. Have you forgotten? Have you not known? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your heart? I'm not a spiritual bookie. This psalm is saying, I am God. For us, rich or poor, God has given us hills. Metaphorically, hills. And this is what we need to know about the hills. God owns the hills. And, and what that tells us is, let's, let's look at verse 7 through 13 again. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I don't rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which which are ever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not ask, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. If we were to take a not so in-depth look at this idea and ask what and how does all stuff belong to God? We could and we should see this. God made everything and thus owns the patents, the rights, and holds all the shares on all the stuff that makes the stuff and all the people that take the stuff and make the stuff and sell the stuff and all the ideas that the people have to take the stuff and make the stuff and sell the stuff and use the stuff and all the life that gives the breath to run the lungs and the hearts to pump the blood to the body to give the actions to the ideas to the sanity to work together and with the stuff to take the stuff to make the stuff to sell the stuff to use the stuff all that stuff is God's stuff last week's text said it best we brought nothing into this world and to prove that fact when you die you can take nothing with you naked you came in naked you're going to go out why all stuff is God's Stuff. And what God is doing to his people in this psalm and to us is what I do to my boys sometimes. He's confounding us. This is what I like to do with my boys. Daddy, 
This is mine. And they're snatching it. And you know how kids are. There could be 10 of the same toys, right? And, and, and Harrison is playing with this car. But Clark wants to play with that car at the bottom of the toy box that, that he hadn't seen for 10 months. You know, he goes, Daddy, that's my car. He can't play with it. I'm like, well, you already playing with a car. So what? It's mine. And I'm like, you know what? All of this is mine. I paid for it. You don't have a job. You didn't go to get it. I picked it out. I was tall enough to reach the register to actually put it on the counter and get it. I brought it home. And you know what? I'm letting y'all borrow these toys for a while. And it's their look like, oh. I guess that means I can share. Because it ain't mine. There's something that it rips out of your heart. The heart that wants to hold on to things and manipulate things and not give things and not share. Whether it's our money or our time or, or, or whatever else, our talents. It's like God is saying all the stuff that is you, that makes you, that, that, that you eat, that you ride, that you play. All of that is mine. Now, if all stuff is God's stuff... That we all that we have is due to God's giving it. All that you have, all that we have, they or who they have, whoever they are, and all that the world has in resources and money and stuff, God has given to us to hold, to carry and use and share and give and and ride in or fly in or or eat or put on or take off, which means, and I want you to hear this clearly. Poverty, you're in my financial struggle, is not God's fault. World hunger is not God's fault. With that, the psalmist saying, the giving God, when he calls for tithes and offerings and stuff like that, contrary to popular belief, is not the thing that will make you poor. It's not sharing and giving is not why you are struggling. God says, I don't need that stuff. I'm not taking that stuff and eating it up and and building homes I don't need. I'm not not supersizing the offering and and eating more than I can take and, and and so making you poor. It is the fall. Living in a world created and kept that way by our wrong and evil actions. The scripture implies that God does not need and does not greedily taking all of our stuff and, and left us in a financial bound. I mean, look around you. Go home and look in the mirror. Someone has taken a little too much off the hills. Too many bulls, too many birds have been too greedy or too mean. Poverty is a result of some sinful decisions by people that have caused them to blow their own money or someone else's money or opportunity at money. And thus, again, verse 17's mention of casting lots. But more than that, understanding this is a communal address. You know, when we live and connect as human race and families and communities and histories and heritages and all the hatred and overlooking and greed involved in that, we... Yeah, you and me right now have created and sustained an institutional and world poverty and top-heavy limited wealth prosperity. This psalm is written 
because God's so-called people are part of that problem. They've gone ghetto with God's giving. They, they have failed and failed to not have to have so much right now or have failed to give in such a way that helps others out of poverty and out of their dire need. And obviously from this Psalms message, things have gotten so tight, so greedy, so limited with God's people at this time that they are unhappy with having to give offerings to God. There's so much misuse that they are led to mistake God as part of the problem. Man, we just, we can't give it to God. He's, he's taking everything. The song corrects us as it did them back then, teaching that God has given and we have mishandled with misguided hearts the mission of God's gift of stuff. The psalm is hoping that we go from saying and thinking, God, look at the world. What have you done? What are you doing to us? Why are we still poor? Why are we still struggling? To Lord, look at what we have done with all that you've given. I mean, come on, look at our country, man. Ain't no need for there to be poverty. Folk in this country going hungry? I can tell you the amount of food I throw in the trash. Because I don't feel like it. Or I put it in a Tupperware and didn't go back to it. Or, you know, fickle. Oh, I got paid, so let's let that food rot and spoil. So I can appease my taste buds at $17, $18 a pop. So the resulting call on us is this. To thank God for all that you do have and to seek him. That all that we need and suffering financially, not just individually, but looking at the world. Let me say this to thank him for what is left after our mess and then seek him in all that mess we have made of all he has given. And in that we are saying, Lord, help our foolishness, not just give us more stuff or more money, but Lord, help us from the heart to the hand. To us, 14 and 15 say in the psalm. Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High. In other words, thank Him. And then what? Call upon me, He says, in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you. And you will honor me. God is saying, bring some of your stuff. No. Some of His stuff He letting you use. Before Him. And in doing so. Thank him for what you have been given. Bring what you have and what you are. Because even the little or lot you and I have is only because God has given it. Even if you only got two dollars, God gave that two dollars. And it's amazing how we got such a little, we be mad at God. Oh, I'm mad I got two dollars. What are two dollars you do? Got, God gave it. And so some part of the whole that you have given should be given back to God and saying, and in doing so to others, the community, it says what? Thank you. And man, come on, college students. I was in college too. Y'all living in a surreal middle class existence. Now some of y'all might really be ramen noodling it. 
but you got a place to live? You've got books that cost $50 a piece? Come on, man. What, what you doing? I gotta finish eating my poor ramen noodles and then I'm going to the game. The game? How are you going to the game? You mean a game that costs $25 for a non-student to get into? Come on, man. You know, God is saying, you know what? Even if you got one slice of pizza and decided not to get two, that's $3 that says, thank you, God. Maybe eat ramen noodles instead of pretzels at the basketball. I used to love them pretzels at the mustard. Mm. What's the shame is I'll be in the room trying to find the quarters and the nickels and the dimes. And, you know, in my room, hey, man, you got 50 cents? I'm like the guys out in my neighborhood all the time. You got 50 cents, man? You got 50 cents? And I take my money and I get that pretzel with that mustard. Woo, with the salt. Mm. Well, I watch my basketball game in the freedom of my time. You know, I, I, sometimes you go to these Chinese restaurants and they have the food up there offered to the God. You ever look some, some of them, not all of them. They don't have the little idol up there, little gold thing. And they'll put an orange in there and a banana or something like that or a drink. Some of us just need to not eat at this spot and then put it before our God. You know, man, that orange would have been good. But Lord, I'm going to give you that 50 cents. Thank you. Thank you. Because you gave that orange. No, you gave five oranges. Lord, you, you gave six and tomorrow I might have another orange because you gave me a job. You know, it, 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 let me go as far as saying if you got nothing in your pocket, some part of your being can lift a hand and clap. Or if you don't have a hand to clap or a leg to shake, you can blink, you can twitch for the food that gave you the energy provided by the God who kept the metabolic processes going in your body. If you are here on earth, the Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. There is something, if you are someone created by God, that can be offered to him to say thank you. And with all that in our lack to say, Lord, the one who has all and gives all, help me. Help us. I don't know if I'm going to make rent. Help me. I got too much stuff and want more. Help me. I got fired. Help me. This might be my last paycheck. Help me. Lord, I got to move two cars out of the way in my driveway to get the one I want to drive. Lord, help me. Lord, the biggest issue in my life is, is which color cabinets to get for our luxury kitchen. Lord, help me. And we will get to, in this series, the specifics of those cries for help and, and means of saying thank you. But what we need to take away from this message today is in our money and our giving, God has a simple two-part philosophy. Thank you and help us. Thank you and help us. Not, not, not I've done right, now help me, but Lord, you have given and Lord, you are a giver. Let me put it a different way. Lord, we have wrongfully taken and Lord, you've still given. Lord, we have squandered and you have given. Lord, we are angry at our two dollars and you are still joyous to give us two more the next day. Lord, we are sinners in all that you have given and you are a God that again and again gives to us sinners. And here's the glory of it all, the gospel of it all. God answers us. 
He responds with with help to hillbillies who could not fill out the paperwork to get his loan, who showed up late because they missed the bus to the appointment with the man behind the desk. God says yes to those who don't have all their they need in their financial files or have the paperwork together. He says yes to helping those who have cheated him and others on their giving. He says yes to those of us who are living rich on the misfortune of others around us. He is saying yes to helping those of us who have been angry at him because we don't have as much as a person next to us. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and tomorrow. Now get this. These spiritually metaphorical hills with the cattle on it and all that stuff are an amazing thing because it is not only where the stuff is. But more importantly, it is where God is. And the hills, therefore, is not on your help, stuff, and words of direction, but an actual helper. You and I will need a helper with the help as we continue on this money and giving thing. Because let me tell you now, let me tell you now, things will not happen like a slot machine. Not supposed to. And when you ask for help, God will help, but he's going to completely help you. And fully help you. He's going to do surgery and diagnose and fix what is wrong on the inside. You know, again, last week I talked about money and having you don't want nobody to see your money. Well, look, we got a little appointment set up with somebody in here who knows something about some finances. And man, I wish I could just go to my knees. Lord, I know exactly what I need. Oh, Lord, please. Let me go down on two knees. Oh, Lord, I come on two. Well, let me put my hands down. Oh, Lord, please. Whatever you do, don't make me have to. Yeah, God, God's going to open it all up. He wants to fix us completely. And you see, when that happens, we get that feeling, right? God's government. You know what I'm saying? God will become the man with the money who's taken too long to bless us. And we look at him as a system, right? To be manipulated and used. Let me tell you how you work the system, man. You want God to give you, bless you. Or thank you, offerings will become, as it obviously did for his people, addressing the psalm, a payoff. To God, to get what we want, or for us rich folk, or or, or for people who have money, and pay off to God, get God to justify our greed. Man, come on. Folk always giving something with their name attached to it. You been in these churches? Look, my name on that pew. My family gave that pew. Well, that's nice. You little stingy 2% of what y'all made over the years in the pew, please. See, God loved me. He's keeping us rich, you know. We're Christians, we believe, so come on. Here's the truth. God is the man. He is the government. And a relation with him that involves our finances can feel taxing and burdensome and slow and sometimes just, just going through the processes. So how do we get access to the God that has and is all that we need, yet we have not earned or deserve or know how to get there? Look again at 121. Though God is not the, though God is the man in the government, strangely, this description in 121 
is not the description of an office that closes at five. And you got there five minutes late. This is not a description of a person on TV who tries to convince you that if you just send them enough money and touch the screens, hurry now because I'm off in 30 minutes. This is not a description of a greedy God who asks for more than he gives. This is a description of a father, a mother who will not leave their troubled child no matter what. I mean, who will and does protect us at great cost from the consequences of a fallen financial world talked about in Psalm 121? The psalm is saying what? God alone can keep us from slipping. Because when you're financially unsure, it can feel like there's no one there to catch us and keep us but ourselves. God alone in the psalmist's sight here is one who gives us rest for money problems that can give us sleepless nights. God is offered in this psalm as the one who will give us shade when you are swamped in money problems of greed. There seems no break from the burning sun of struggling and toiling in a field to have more. God graciously in the psalm keeps people from the harm of night, of the unseen. For apart from him, we live in a scary place financially. You know all decisions are made while you're sleeping. You go to sleep, you wake up, and the bottom falling out. You go to sleep, you wake up, and you don't work for that company anymore. You go to sleep, you wake up, and the check bounce overnight. And he is saying, God is seeing and offering a life where we are freed and being freed from the effects of sin and community and for our world because he is there with his people. Now look how this is done in closing. Back to Psalm 50, verses 22 and 23. It says this, Consider those, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrifices thank offerings honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. We see first in verse 22, the curse with the marked uh, issues we talked about earlier for those who don't or can't thank God with their offerings. And then in verse 23, we see access given to the hill and to the God of the hill, to the one who offers a sacrifice. And they actually, in doing so, make a way to salvation. Well, let me update you on this. You ain't that one. I don't care how much money you got. You ain't that one. When we talked about the wicked, you said some things, you did some things. You don't have no access to God. I don't care how much you give. We can never thank God enough or well enough to get to him on his hill and merit the stuff on his hill. That's the big deal in the whole prosperity gospel or, or whatever or hard work gets what you you know, will benefit you if you're a good, hard-working, Amer- red-blooded American Christian. You know all that kind of stuff. No, all of that stuff don't get to the God of the hill and the stuff on the hill. It is Jesus talked about in verse 23. Scripture teaches this. He alone has made a way, has made a clear view of the hill. And it was because of his Thank you offering of his shed blood that we, the stingy and the ungrateful and the ignorant can now be allowed and free to thank God and give and have the hills and the God of the hills and trust the God of the hills. It's only because Jesus has made a way for salvation in our finances that we have it because we can change what we do, but we can't change our hearts. And Christ came to change our hearts. God is calling you and me to a hillbilly economic 
through His Son, Jesus. To live and give because of Jesus as those who have been given access and ability, though undeserving, and though as far as the relation with the holy God is concerned, with that holy couth or culture, to be free to look and see the hills as God's care freed, to bring the little, tiny, measly, thank you offering of giving that he asked of us. Free to see and believe. But the God who has everything and has given so much is a loving father and king who hears us and helps us from the hills. A hillbilly economic. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we need the blood of Jesus. To rightly live according to the hills of God's grace. Lord, we've slandered, we've cast lots, we've believed the lies of adulterers. Lord, we have not heard your word. We need Jesus to forgive us, to grant us forgiveness, to grant us righteous access, so that our thank you offering will not be scorned by you, but accepted by you. Help us, Lord. Help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.